And good evening, our fellow lovers of love, and thank you for joining us on this excursion through the stream of consciousness. <laughs> the heck was that? To the stream of consciousness, <laughs> on to the river of love. On to the river of tranquility and to, to the lake, the lake of, of love. love. No, my lips forgot how to work. There was It wasn't that I forgot the script that time. It's just all of a sudden my lips didn't want to... Yeah, well, let's hope that doesn't happen tonight, more tonight. Well, it's, man. <laughs> that's a little personal there, don't you think? Hey, <laughs> I've been on the show. Well, good evening, everybody. Talking about life as a dance. This show is a dance at every minute of the day because poor Lubby never knows the move I'm going to make. Of course, in my defense, I never know what's going to come out of my mouth on any given moment. We fly without a script. We have kind of an outline, but, you know, just because we have an outline doesn't mean I'm going to follow it, now does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but tonight's dance, I think we are. So there was a quote by Alan Watson, English writer, theologian, and speaker. And it's what gave me the kind of the theme to, to kind of tie tonight's show together. And uh, so the quote is, the only way to make sense out of change is to plunge into it, move with it, and join the dance. And it got me thinking, because how ultimately did I deal with my anxiety disorder? I made it my friend. I stopped fighting it and started honoring it and playing with it and, you know, changed my relationship with it. That's how I dealt with it. It wasn't by fighting it. It wasn't by battling it at every occasion. It was coming to terms with it and learning how to dance with it, learning how to accomplish its goals and mine. Now, we'll discuss some things like bipolar disorder here in a little while that uh, are vastly different than anxiety disorder, and you can help bridge that gap. But... You know, I think for most of us, you know, the fight against your, I don't even like the term mental illness, because for a lot of this is just personality issues, having to deal with a complicated society. It's not even, is anxiety disorder really a, a mental illness? Or is it just people interpret the world differently? And because we interpret the world differently, it's a difficult to get along in the world as it's set up. Now, I like to say the world is, you know, not on purpose. I want to be clear. It's designed by type A personalities for type A personalities. The other ones who design things and the other ones who build, you know, have that, that extra set of energy, that desire to keep going, the desire to, you know, climb the next mountain, climb over the hill, build stuff just because. You know, those are the people who want to go to Mars just because it's there, right? And but and that drive has a desire to create things. And because they're the ones who create things, they kind of set the standard 
but it's a phony standard because not everybody's type A. In fact, we couldn't function if everybody was like that. Society literally couldn't function if everybody was like that. But we kind of pretend that that's the standard everybody should attain to. And so for those who aren't people who aren't that, you know, it creates a very... Life can be very difficult and often unfulfilling because you're often chasing something that's not you. And you've been trained at it from day to day and you chase it from not you. You try to pretend you're somebody and something you're not. And eventually it catch up to, catch ups to you. <laughs> Catches up to you. See, I told you. I know what I want to say. The tongue, mouth doesn't want to work. So, anyway, life is better dance. You get to decide which dance it is. And, you know, and I think the next stage of societal evolution is understanding that diversity of personality. We kind of conceptually understand it on the extremes. We understand it on the extremes. We understand it for people who have, say, vastly different sexual natures than the standard. We understand how that works. We understand the difficulties they can go through, have to deal with in life, and we try to accommodate, and we are becoming better at that. But we don't deal with people who learn differently very well. We don't deal with people who want different things out of life. We don't deal with the artists very well. We don't deal with the philosophers very well. We don't teach them. You know, in school we teach two types of kids. We teach the go-getters and we teach the, you know, the theoretical factory workers. But we don't need factory workers anymore. Well, not as many. And we haven't changed. We haven't evolved. And, you know, it's paying a price for that. We are paying a price for that. So, anyway... But we're going to hop back in. These are the holiday season. We all had a wonderful holiday. Got to get together with a full house of people. Got to have, uh, you know, 20-something people at the house. Hadn't hadn't been in a place that crowded for, what, a couple of years now? A couple of years, yeah. I mean, I think I have, but, you know, I've gone to political rallies and things like that. But uh, for the most part. Even me, it's only been a handful of times over the couple, you know, last couple of years. Ran for office and didn't have that, didn't get around that many people simply because of the time it was in. So it's, it was nice, actually, to get around and <laughs> chatter and listen to people's their stories and catch up. And, you know, it was a pleasant experience. But not it's all... See people we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, and seen people we hadn't seen before. For two years, yeah, and new people, too. New yeah. people, that was nice. It's always nice to, to have new people and to, and to get a chance to uh, expand your, I don't want to say expand your horizons, because it's... But, social you know, circle. Expand your social circles, you know, reach out beyond what you're used to. But our first thing on our list was... 10 tips to surviving the holidays. Holidays are coming, folks. 
And because of all as, as nice as it is, as it is to get around with your family and friends and spend time with them, you know, social obligations are also stressful. Yeah. And so, you know, um, we got these out of psychology. Psychology today. Man, I, this is going to be a long night. <laughs> We're only nine minutes in. Yeah, I, I know. And I already can't talk. Uh, so the first one was keep your regular routine. And so, which I might, it's almost impossible sometimes during the holiday season, right? And they brought up exercise and diet is the two, two big ones. Stick to your stick to your normal diet during the holidays. Yeah, after everybody just ate until they bloated yesterday. What did I? Oh, no, I won't talk about that here. Never mind. Yeah, and think moderation. What did I call the day after? Oh God, we just laid around like a bunch of walruses. No, not us. What did I call it? The, the national. Oh my! I'm not going to repeat that. <laughs> that was funny though. We'll leave it alone. If you guys want to know, you can ask in the comments, even if you catch in the replay. And maybe I'll tell you next week. <laughs> but speaking of it, if you guys want to talk to us, you um, get all our show notes and things we knew uh, past shows, you can go to latenightlove.us. You can send Lubby a uh, dear Lubby letter at love at latenightlove.us. You can catch me over at Twitter at Jazzrack, or you can find us on all your various social media and podcast platforms. I mean, if we're not on one, let us know. Okay. So the other one is think moderation. Mm, yes. So it may be easy to kind of overdo things, which is the whole point about the whole diet thing, but I don't know. Moderation in drink and adult activities, but I, I don't know. Eat your extra Twinkies or extra cupcakes or whatever. I enjoy it some. I, I actually think overly worrying about your routine and stuff would actually create anxiety. Unless you're one of those people who are kind of OCD about the whole thing. Okay, number three, be realistic. Try not to expect the ideal holiday. So many of us that have all these big expectations, and I do every year, and <laughs> <laughs> but I have, a, I, I have learned to appreciate what I have, what happened in the uh, project I'm just happy if my grandchildren if their presents are hit no I've come down to that <laughs> well you know holidays evolve over the over the time you know as you, you're young it's all about uh, getting gifts as you become a parent and you move a little bit older it's all about making sure that the children it's all about the children, you know, including yours and whatnot. And, but then becomes a point when you become a grandparent and the children start becoming the age where they move around and have their own personalities, you know, say three to teenage years. 
for it's all about those because those are like the pure years you know that's when those kids just express joy for the sake of joy you know but you can also if your present isn't a hit they'll tell you one way or another but oftentimes the best presents aren't figured out to be the best presents until later on in life so don't always think just because your present doesn't hit right away it doesn't mean it won't be a hit you know the flash in the pan can come and go but you know woody stood around for a long time you know woody was still his favorite toy toy story even after Buzz Lightyear came. So, just saying. But you never know what the future holds. But yes, manage your expectations. You know, just like on Thanksgiving, manage your expectations about what you expect on Thanksgiving dinner, and then when it turns out nice, you'd be happy. Rather than, well, the... You know, the green bean casserole was not perfect. Well, life's tough sometimes. You can't get everything perfect. But if you didn't expect it to be perfect and it's good, then it's fine. Right? Yes. That's the whole point. I try to just enjoy the magic of the season. Everyone is a little, seems to be a little brighter, a little friendlier. I just like that magic in there. Yeah, we can hope for, we can all use a little magic in the air this year, can we? All right, stay connected is number four. Now, this is a good time to um, spend time with friends and family and with people that don't live close by, you know, give them a call. But isn't that what we do during the holiday season anyway? Yes. Yeah, so I'm not sure why that's here, but okay. Throw guilt out the window. And what they mean by that is if you're not feeling the seasoning, if you're not feeling seasoning, don't feel the need to don't feel yeah, guilty about it. Give yourself a break. Yeah. You don't always have to feel Christmassy. I think I went, was it last year, year before last year? I don't remember. Recently. I'm in all Christmas season without feeling Christmassy. Some this happens sometimes. It's not the end of the world. I mean I've had 50 of them. You can't be Christmasy 50 times, right? You're 51. You can't be Christmasy all the time. You know, you're going to have a Christmas here or there that's not. <laughs> you kind of roll snake eyes on occasion. Just saying. You know? Yeah. It's all right. There's no. It's not a moral failure. Don't be alone if you don't want to be. They suggested try volunteer somewhere like a soup kitchen. Yeah. Children's group home or elderly in various facilities. Yeah, there's lots of ways you can get involved in the community. There's lots of people who are handing out food or collecting food or whatever. Yeah, you can do that. Focus on today, not yesterday. What is old should old acquaintances be forgot? Maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. You know, that's an open question. Yes, this brings up um, 
issues that you had with family members in the past. Yeah. Focus on today, focus on tomorrow. But, but it's hard to be thankful without focusing on the past. And if you focus on the past for what you're thankful for, then you're going to come across those things that you're not thankful for in the past. But there is, and we'll talk about it later. Another way we have a little bit of it later in the show. We'll talk about it a little bit. Kind of of a way to this of an arrangement. It's going to be one of these long, long nights. Because now I just forgot what I was going to say because I was trying to make my mouth work. <laughs> We're going to go on. Just say no. It's okay to say no. More. It's okay to say no if you're not uh, feeling it. Like, no, I don't want to go to the holiday party. I'm not in the mood. It's okay. Right? It's okay to ask for help. We're going to just move on here. Whether to decorate, shopping, cooking, or a shoulder to lean on, ask. Yep. Hey, at the very worst, you're exactly where you're at, right? So. And the last one is kind of the obvious one is, you know, be good to yourself. Take care of yourself. Um, there's an article link. We're not going to get to it, but I did link to it here in the uh, show notes um, about empaths, how to be good to yourself as an empath. And so that's a good article to read. So you can go to latenightlove.us and they'll find links to that. It'll be with the show notes. Um, but it is. Take care of yourself. You know how to take care of yourself. And, you know, as we enter the holiday season and then the season towards, we talk about it, it's, you know, the thankfulness season, the season of giving, and then the season of introspection. You know, we get that last week of the year for introspection as you push into the new year. You know, and a lot of us, if you think about it that way, right, you go to thankful, season of thankfulness, it's Thanksgiving, and then you move into the season of giving and receiving, kind of honoring those your relationships, helping those more, you know, less, less needy, all that. Uh, less fortunate less fortunate yeah god what is wrong with me today and then you have a week quite literally you get a week to kind of sit in retrospect and and push forward to the new year quite literally you get a month and then a week thanksgiving then you move transfers from your thankfulness to the season of giving and yeah and then you transfer to the season, to the one week of retrospection and moving forward. And so it's be kind to yourself because that can be a difficult process as you go through that. Because not all of us are the people we want to be. And it's a time of year where you have to face that. And, you know, the only thing you can do to make amends is to be better next year. Be better tomorrow. As we talk about this later on, is as we'll actually move right in to our next uh, discussion here, the three words that help me find gratitude amidst the depression. And 
this caught me because I realized I do this without realizing I do it. And so it was kind of one of those things. Oh, hey, yeah. It's like, you know, how many times? Well, that sucked, but, you know, at least I've got the love of my family and everything I need. And, you know, you know, yeah, I'm going blind, but, you know, it could be worse. Yeah, but, yeah, that sucked, but. And which is apparently is essentially the same thing she was well, talking about. Well, the three words she uses is, well, yeah, but. Yeah, it's that, well, yeah, but. Well, that bad thing happened, but. So it's honest, it's, you could actually boil it down to but. That bad thing happened to me, but. I keep getting up. That bad thing happened to me, but it could have been worse. These bad set of circumstances happened completely out of my control, but I have people who love me and who help me through it. Whatever the but is, if you can focus on the but and move forward, that's the key, at least for her. And one of those things I do it for me, it works. It actually works for me. It's one of those things I do, but I didn't realize I was doing it that way. And it's not really words for it's a, it's kind of a, I wouldn't say it's words because I don't talk to myself like that, but it's a. You talk to yourself sometimes. Yeah, but not like that. You have conversations. Okay. Yeah, those conversations. Who doesn't? Yeah, but it's a different thing. It's, it's, I get what she's talking about, though. I, I do it. I get the mental, it's a mental thing. It's a trick. It's a tool I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you're dealing with not just depression, she used it for depression, but it works with anxiety. It works with when you're just dealing with, you know, the difficulties of life. It can always be worse. You know, <laughs> I've come and come to learn in life and say, oh, it can't get any worse. No, yes, it can. It can always get worse. <laughs> <laughs> you can always find some way to make something worse. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> you know, one of the hardest things in, li in life to learn is that, you know, you can always make things worse. So stop making it worse is the first thing to do. And it's hard because sometimes it's hard to know what it is you're doing. To make it worse sometimes it's easier to blame the world than it is to accept responsibility for yourself what you've done to accomplish these things oh uh, yeah it's easier you know glass houses and all that so i speak from experience rather than from the mountaintop <laughs> i'm not i'm not standing on any on anything, on any stump, talking over anybody. I am in the glass house throwing stone, breaking my own windows at this point. But that's how you fix yourself, by acknowledging where you have to work on, the things you have to improve on, right? Well, you have to want to. Yeah, there has to be an incentive. Well, it doesn't have to be an incentive. You have to want to do it. Exactly, that's what I mean. Yeah, but you also have to be willing to acknowledge your failures. Because you're not always going to succeed. Well, yeah, you can't fix something until you know it's broken. And, you, and you're not always going to be successful. You just Sometimes you just have to keep trying. 
And then over the course of five years, you look back, well, I'm not still not where I would like to be, but hey, I'm not over there anymore. Not over there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's sometimes that's progress. It's all you can do. And, and all you can do is move forward. If you continue to move forward, you will eventually get somewhere closer to where you want. You know, it's not very helpful, always, but it's the truth. You know, as you slag through, whether it's depression, slag, slug, slug? Yes. One of those days. But as you kind of slug your way through, all these difficulties in life, depression, anxieties, bipolars, economic issues doesn't have to be anything a mental health issue it can just be normal life problems you know as you work through it the choices are you either do or you don't right you either find a way through it or you don't find a way through it and is not finding your way through it an option it may take you a long time but if you're not going to find your way through it, what are you going to do? I don't know. Something to contemplate, I guess. All right, so what else we got? Most snacks, my love. Six reasons morning routines make you anxious. Oh, well, any routine makes me anxious, so. And I'm a creature of habit. <laughs> Why are we together again? <laughs> Opposites attract. Uh, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Alright. Okay, number one. You're afraid of failing and thus becoming a failure. Okay. Big fear of failure. Yeah. Yeah. But starting a routine, um, it doesn't mean you... You have to stay with it. You can just try something out, and that is a success. Well, yeah, this is the mindset thing again. It goes back to uh, defining success and failure. What is a success? What is a failure? You know, if you set out your some goals and you don't accomplish those goals, you can feel like a failure. Now, if you're comfortable with failure, then it's okay. Failure is just a learning experience. If you've gotten to the point where failure isn't a learning experience, then that's not really a problem. So maybe I, the, the way to approach that would be to be comfortable with failure. Hey, it's all right. I, I've learned that this part of my routine maybe isn't for me. So yeah, what can I learn from it? Or maybe I just learned, hey, I'm just take me longer to adjust to a routine. Yeah. Or you can be like me and you're never going to adjust to a routine and you have to accept it. But there's, we all have our own crosses to bear there. So, But an opportunity to learn that, hey, you know, morning routines aren't for me. 
maybe I need to get a night job. You know, <laughs> you, know you can learn something from it, right? Yes. Okay, number two, you don't know how to create your morning routine. Yeah. Well, maybe we need to be clear. Morning routines can happen whenever you wake up. Your morning routine is when you first start your day, right? And the start of your day is when you get over, when you wake up from your, uh, from your daily rest, so we call it. Because you might work overnight hours and you might go to bed at 10 a.m. instead of 10 p.m. But 6 a.m. is 6 p.m. would still be your morning. your morning just like if you work what other people call weekends your weekends what Tuesday and Wednesday or whatever it is yeah yeah so mornings don't have to be overly structured I think that's one of the kind of issues that we a lot of people struggle with Okay, number three, you're intimidated by all the perfect people on Instagram with a perfect morning routine. Why are you looking at that? Yeah, why are you paying attention to people's Instagram accounts? Don't do that. Well, also, and you comparing know... Comparing yourself. How can you get compare yourself to other people? Well, and if you do, going to do that. <coughs> Make sure you follow some Instagram accounts that have people who are realistic. Because most people on Instagram and their social medias, right, they show you the highlights and the best parts of themselves. And it's really fairly reasonable, right? No one wants to take a selfie first thing they wake up with their hair all messed up. And, yeah, this is me, the first thing I can't even see where the button is, you know? <laughs> Nobody does that. Why would you? But that's the reality of most people. No one wakes up beautiful. Well, separate present company. But, oh, that was sweet. But, yes, well, my brain does work on occasion. Um, <laughs> uh, now I've forgotten where I was. So, and yeah, they intimidated the perfect people. Yeah, so make sure you follow people who are real. Make sure you understand that you're getting that. Yeah. What we always told our the, my kids when we... Uh, when you were growing up watching TV, TV is not real. TV is not real. You, I don't care what you want to watch as long as you understand that it's not real. Even reality TV is not real. And we would hammer that into them constantly. Just constantly. We didn't restrict what they would watch, but they damn well knew that it was a phony version of reality. Right? Even the stuff that seemed real was a phony version of reality. Just as long as you understand that and you can put it in its proper context, then you're fine. But, you know, it's kind of the Instagram, social media comparisons is the same way. Compare your highlights to theirs and then it changes, right? You compare your lowlights to their highlights. Well, don't do that. Compare your highlights to their highlights and then everything looks a little better. Yeah, your best looking meal you ate. Oh, look, they're eating that great meal. Well, you eat those kind of things on occasion. And if you wanted to make your plate presentation look really nice, you could do the same thing too with five minutes and some good lighting. So <laughs> don't understand that, you know, these things are, uh, are what they are. 
Okay, number four, you hate mornings and you feel bad for not being a morning person. Now, I used to, I, I still uh, do not care for mornings, but I, um, I've been getting up earlier, lately. Uh, I used to be a night owl, and my hours got changed around on a trip, family trip. And so now I'm up much earlier, and it's it was a little surreal at first, but now I'm I'm liking the light. Mornings are a plague on my existence. Well, what other people call mornings are a plague on my existence. Despise mornings. I always have despised mornings, and I'll never be a morning person. And yes, I know I've been getting up at like three o'clock in the morning, which is really really irritating. Because I can't, still can't function until like eleven o'clock, and so, <laughs> so it doesn't actually help. <laughs> I'm just up longer. It's just, yeah, they used to laugh at me. You never hold the meeting before ten o'clock in the morning because it's pointless. You're never getting out of thing, anything out of me. You know, I don't even remember I was there. I can run the machines I needed to run because I could do it in my sleep if I had to. But a meeting where I had to think? No. 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 Schedule them after 10 o'clock. You did. It was hilarious. It's not my fault, man. Blame nature. Been that way my whole life. Alright, so what's the next one? Number five, you know you shouldn't waste your morning on your phone, but you can't seem to help it. Hey, if if an hour on the phone in the morning is how you want to start your day, why not? Yeah, if that's part of your morning routine and it doesn't and what is this waste? Who's who's deciding how you're wasting your time? That's always interesting. Why is somebody else telling me how I'm wasting my time? It's my time. I'm the only one who gets to waste my time, gets to decide what is a waste. If, if I'm catching up on, well, and sometimes it depends on what you're doing. Like, I have to catch up because of keep up with news and events and things for a number of reasons. And so first thing I do is you wake up and you catch up with news and events and things. Because, well, I host a news and events TV show, and I have responsibilities to a community to pay attention to certain things and so you know it's not wasting time is it no and, or if you spend it in say self-education educating yourself about certain topics and whatnot so you can be better able to participate in public discourse is that a waste of time Well, if you don't actually act, you know, participate in public discourse, maybe. But <laughs> if you do, but if it helps you relax before you start your day, you know, if sitting around watching Looney Tunes for a half hour before you go off to, you know, get stressed out on the commute to work helps you not get so stressed on the commute to work, are you wasting time watching Looney Tunes? 
I think the answer is no. Now, you can only answer that question, right? Each individual can answer that question. I can't answer that for anybody. You can't answer that for anybody. No. All right. Last one. Yeah. You're afraid of change, even if it's change you really want. Well, I think lots of people are afraid of change, regardless of your desire to create a morning routine. So, yeah. So, I don't know. Is that really a unique thing? I think they could have stopped at five on this one. As Lovey heads out for her quick break, we will take care of some business here. And for our podcast listeners, we will be right back after a message from our sponsor. All right, we are back. Um, we'll take care of a little bit of business before the Lebinator walks back in here. If you would like to find us, you can go to latenightlove.us. There that is. You can find us at latenightlove.locals.com. You can find us at anchor.fm slash latenightlove. You can find us on Facebook slash the latenightlove. And you can find us on Mines and MeWe. Um, I think that's it. Um, okay. So, if you want to send Lovey an uh, email, you can send a Dear Love letter. A Dear Lovey letter to love at latenightlove.us. You can send me a, a tweet over at, you can contact me over at Twitter, at Jazzrec, or you can just send us a message at Anchor FM or whatever social media platform you would like. I have really got to write that down. I have got to write all kinds of stuff down. Oh man, I've got the hiccups. That is not a good thing. This is going to be a great time for the last of the show. Hiccup. Hiccup. <laughs> All right. So, before we kind of hop into questions, I did want to capture this one. Because this was interesting talking discussion point here. Nearly half of people feel like they don't have any real friends. And I think that's what I mean by kind of close friends. Who's your best friend type of thing? You know, the people you're actually close to. Yeah, I think I'm lucky. I have a handful of people who I could call on any time I need to. Yeah. Of course, one of them is moving to Tennessee, which is really irritating. Understandable, but irritating. My state is chasing off all of my compatriots. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, my, one of my best friends is leaving. But I have more. <laughs> yeah. It's sad. It is sad. It is sad to have to, to watch so many people leave because they can't deal with the 
politics of a state anymore. Regardless of your politics or where you live or how it goes, you know, the fact that so many of us are uh, feeling the need, we become so culturally divisive. You know, I think all of us need to take a step back. Be a little bit more understanding, empathetic, a little less demanding what we from our fellow citizens. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I'll leave I'll leave that politics for that. But anyway, so it's a new report and they've discovered oh, there it goes. So it's only a so it's a loneliness. So apparently half the people out there are, are lonely. And I think our instinct is to blame social media because you end up with a lot of uh, loose connections instead of a handful of strong ones, kind of like we used to. But it's also part of the mobility. My friend is moving away across the country. You know, the ability to move and change, you know, the uh, cultural unrest societal destruction I think all that it's part of it you know you have an opinion I may not agree with so I can't be friends with you yeah that's a relatively new phenomenon at least for people my age and maybe if you're a little older back in the 60s maybe it was a, a different time but for people my age, it's, you know, honorable people could have honorable disagreements. They'd still be friends, yeah. Yeah. And we've now reached a point where you can. So we're dividing ourselves. And I think maybe this, half of us don't have any real close friends. Well, how can you be close friends with people who you think are, are evil? Or without even knowing them, you dismiss half the half the country, half the population, or a third, really. And you have two thirds of the country dismissing two thirds of the country. <laughs> yeah, you know, for different reasons. But and you've got the middle third going. Can't we all just, you know, play nice? We this is why we can't have nice things. But I think this is a sign that this divide, cultural divide, is deeper than maybe we think it is. Or more dangerous, if not deeper. Which means it's up to us, you, me, anybody listening, to do something about it. You don't have to go marching on the streets. You don't have to go changing the world. Change your world. That's a choice. You, know, you can change your world. You don't have to change the whole world. But if we all change our world, guess what will happen? The world will be changed. Yeah. Go on other people to do it. 
I'll demand everybody else, you know, do something, do something. No, you do it. That's a mirror you're looking at, not a window. So, but how do we change it? You know, our, our suggestion is you change it with love, right? You love your fellow humans. You love your fellow man. Yes. And you express it. You resist the urge to not love. You say, yeah, but. Well, yeah, but. You know? It's a good bit of three words. You dance with people you aren't sure you're going to like. But you find out they're a good dancer. You find out you have more in common than you think. You know, most of us have a love of humanity. We really do. Most people do even if they don't think they do. We all share that in common. Okay. So let's hop off to some questions. What you okay. got? Okay. Well, okay. Question number one. Why don't homeless people just go stay with their family? Well, that's a multifaceted question. Sometimes they don't have families. Sometimes they burnt bridges. Yeah. Sometimes it's they're embarrassed. You know, they've gotten to this point and they don't want to reach out. Sometimes it's mental illness. And so because of that, it's all three. Of those previous ones. They don't know how. Their families don't know how to help them. And then there's that option, you know, their family may not be in position to help them. You know, if you're living in a one small one bedroom apartment, do you have are you in position to help your brother? You may be better off than he is, but it doesn't mean that you're in position to help much. You know, my question is, there are some homeless issues that we have trouble dealing with and we'll always will have trouble dealing with, just because. Society has changed so much that um, there's a certain aspect of humanity that are natural loners. In the past, I think we've talked about in the past, in the past they had been trappers and and mountain men and you know they go off they live on a mountain they come down into society to sell their furs or their pelts or whatever or whatever they've accumulated over the course of the year and then they to buy their supplies and then they go back up right that's how people used to live it used to be a common way of life and we can't do that anymore and so those those people are now in our city because they can't live on the side of a mountain and they can't function in this complex society. They just can't. They're not 
designed for it. And so I think for some of so some of that we need some compassion, right? We need to figure out, okay, how can we deal with that? How do we manage those groups? Then we have the mentally ill. People who are homeless because they're mentally ill and have burnt all their bridges and they can't hold down realistically hold down a stable job without support. And that's a whole nother issue. And then you get the transitory homeless. People who get homeless for medical reasons or they've lost a job at the wrong time and so they got you know got kicked out of their apartment. They don't have the cash to get back on their feet, but you know, they could realistically get back on their feet with relatively little support. You know, those are actually easy to deal with. We can actually deal with those. Because that's just give them some cash, a little bit of help finding a place to live. But of course, there is a bigger problem with that. Housing costs. Here in California, it's insanely expensive. You know, just for a little apartment. Dinky apartments, 1500 bucks, one bedroom apartment. You know, it's not affordable. But then you have to deal with the policies that created that issue. And it's, it's a tangled web we weave, right? And there's no simplest answer. There's no simple answer. So why don't they? Because it's complicated. And it's not as easy as mental illness or drug abuse. Yeah, it's not that simple. Anybody who sells a simple solution to the homeless problem is lying. And there, that's a long way to not answer that question. <laughs> it's a long way to not answer. That's what that is. Okay, I'd like to skip down to the bottom. You want to skip down to the bottom one? Yes. Does a bipolar person mean some of the nasty things they say? My wife is bipolar, and she said some hurtful things. Okay. So you want to make sure we got that in. Okay. Well, you're the bipolar well, honest I, person on the show. I, I remember um, in some of my, I called them episodes, in some of my breakdowns, I've had a few. I've been hospitalized. And I remember on during those breakdowns saying some things. And I've always wondered how that affected you. You weren't yourself. I didn't affect me. I understood what was happening. So... Candy. I actually forgotten until you mentioned it, to be honest. <laughs> it tells you much it didn't affect me. Well, it's been a while. Yeah, but no, and, I and forgot I, a long time ago. So And I have uh, yeah. I have worked to prove myself over those years. That I, I wasn't myself. That's not who I really am. It was during those times, I, I don't have a filter. So every little irritation, every little thing that I wouldn't normally not say yeah. comes out. 
Well, and then you get it mixed with kind of misperceptions. And misperceptions and paranoia. Hello, <laughs> my friends. There you are. <laughs> Hello, my friend. <laughs> been a while since we've met each other. <laughs> but, the, but that's the point. But but we had to talk, we we discussed this, and so our, we're open about our issues. And so when they pop up, there's no surprise. So maybe that's part of the thing. Um, but I was reading that article that we put link to, and it's like 90% of people of relationships with someone with bipolar break up. 90% marriages when one of them has bipolar it breaks up and I can understand why because it's a uh, it can be a roller coaster and if the one and if the person with okay if both people aren't on the same page and prepare to do their part of the thing then it won't work it just can't you know, if the person who has bipolar isn't prepared to do the, the work to, you know, to become better every day, right? To work, to work, yes. to work, be better. And the other person isn't ready to have some empathy and understand that it's going to be a roller coaster. And sometimes the roller coaster is going to be a little wilder than others. And you're not committed to riding that roller coaster. Then you're not going to be able to ride it. Neither one of you will be, right? Because you need someone who you know is going to, who you can trust to, to, to be there. Yes. And someone if, who understands when I'm not myself that it, it, it is temporary. Yeah. But you also need to know, because one of the things you've told me is that you don't have to worry. Right. You don't have to worry about, you know, our relationship. You're not. Don't worry about me leaving. You don't worry about that. Me? Yeah. No, you don't have to worry about me leaving. No, you said that. Oh, that is one of my biggest, my biggest release in this relationship. Um, and I realized that the other day, someone I chatted with asked me, and it and it just got me to thinking. Uh. I, that is one of my biggest contentments in this relationship. I never had that before where I didn't somehow want, sometimes wonder, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen when he leaves me. I always thought that he would, that my husband's, my boyfriend's, I always wanted to know when is it going to happen? And I don't have that with you. See, and that's a comforting thing. I actually think that comfort is what allows you to go through at least one of the episodes you went through. I think you've been paying up things to deal with, and you finally were in a position where you could deal with them. You felt safe to deal with them. And so you did. And that meant you went on the roller coaster type of thing. And we, so we wrote it. Yeah. And you're always down for mid-change. You're very good. Well, they're not fun, but... <laughs> <laughs> it, the roller coaster isn't over, my friend. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I, I'm aware. Yeah, because mid-change come every couple, every few years, and it happens, and it takes six, seven months to get through. And But, you know, 
It is what it is. It's yep. been a few years. Yeah, I know. There's one coming soon. You can smell it. <laughs> <laughs> you can smell it coming. It may be a while away, you know. Who knows? It could be far away. It could be one of those things. Maybe the breeze is blowing our direction. But it can smell one coming. <laughs> But, you know, hey, it is what it is. You know, you, things change. Maybe the next one will be better. You know? That's always the thing. It's hopefully, once we get through the medication change, just, just that, you know, things will be better for the next time. Well, they're good now. I'm very comfortable now. I don't smell a change. No, but it's the time. You know, it's, you know, hey, it's, I'll get the eye fixed, and then it'll be medication change time. Watch. Just <laughs> It'll just happen because that's my luck. <laughs> All right, so what's next? We got time for one more, I think. Okay, I found out my six-year-old daughter isn't biologically mine. What should I do? Should I continue raising her? Personally, I think you already answered the question. Uh-huh. I caught that, too. <laughs> your six-year-old daughter. She's your daughter. Yeah, you can't change that. You know, it may be more complicated now, but, you know, that fundamental truth, you know, sometimes it's not about blood. You've raised her for six years. And remember, your problem isn't with her. The issue is with her mother, not her. Don't punish the daughter for your mother's, for her mother's mis issues. I, yeah. I know there's instincts there, you know, and you may want to, but resist the urge. Maybe some ca a couple counseling sessions would help in this instance. Yeah, this is the one where society is is irritating, and so I don't ever really know what to do with it. Because if the shoe's on the other foot, it's you just leave the man, you get the child support, and you write, and you, but now because it's send a counselor company and figure out the, the thing. And I always think that should always be the answer, right? The woman cheats and well, we'll work through it. The man cheats and you bend it off and cut it off now and, and, and punish him. And I understand the instinct. I do. I really do. But from a society cultural level, if we read studies, women are just as likely to cheat as men. We don't think so. I don't know why. But they really are. Yes. And we pretend they're not. <laughs> well, uh, the men are screwing around with somebody. Well, yeah, but they can be single men. It's not just, all of them are. Well, no. But I'm just saying. You should, men and women are equally... <laughs> it manifests itself a little bit differently, but at the end of the day, we're both human. Men and women are all human. We all make the same mistakes and the same general numbers. We just do. Just humanity's weird. 
And human sexuality is even weirder than that. And we were discussing, maybe that's another time for that one. That was human sexuality fundamentally goofy. We need to do that again. We do that again. It's been a while. Because it is. And I don't know what to tell people about that when it comes to the relationship. But I do know, don't punish your, your daughter. And she's clearly your daughter because you said something <coughs> for the actions of her mother. Excuse me. I think that's what you want to be careful. Right? Yes. Because that's where the real danger is. Is that you can accidentally accidentally carry that grudge and push it out onto the wrong person. And that would be a tragedy. That would make two tragedies, right? Yes. We talked about it earlier. You know, it's, what was it in the first part of the show? We talked about, you know, stop making it worse. Don't make it worse. Don't make it worse. It's bad enough. Good Lord. <laughs> There's enough to work through here. Do you really want to... Don't punish her. Because that's the only thing that's going to happen if you treat her anything differently than you've been treated. Don't treat her like her daughter. She's not going to understand. It's not her fault. She didn't ask for it. And just dance with the one that brought you. All right. I think we're just about out of time, love, unless you wanted to cover one more. Oh, uh, no. No? No. Okay. So that is it for us. We are going to, uh, me and Lovey are going to get out of here. We want to thank you for joining us. You can always join us at latenightlove.us. You can always send Lovey a Lovey letter, dear Lovey letter at love at latenightlove.us. And uh, for me and Lovey, take care of each other. Be kind. And please remember to love everybody. Good night.